Hello, thank you for listening to Salvation and Stuff. Next to believing Jesus and accepting the gospel as your own, this episode probably ranks as the most important. It's also very personal to me, so I might need to grab a roll of duct tape because my head might explode in relating this educational information. Consider a personal public service announcement. What is the PSA? The PSA and the title of this episode is Eight Basic Manners of Technology Mediated Communication. I know it's a horribly boring title for an episode, but I think it's a bit more classy than my original title, which was Grow the Up and Use Some Manners. We'll spend a few minutes now on Manners of Communication. Episode 7 starts now. Engaging, encouraging, and enlightening. So it's more than just being polite. The truth is that I've lost and gained friendships by people's choices to either communicate with or without manners in our world of tech talk. If you're someone who has a clue, it should be evident that the manners of common sense or common courtesy have been generally abandoned in the area of conversation and communication in general. I mean, that I, of all people, am writing and speaking on manners of communication proves just how bad our culture has gotten. As a result, the purpose of this podcast is not to encourage us to rebuild the greatness of uh, you know 18th century French articulation, but just to merely crawl out of the grammatical hole it seems we have buried ourselves in. Hopefully, we can start to communicate with each other as if we actually really cared for each other. Before the phenomenal cultural shift of communicating with people near and abroad through the means of emailing, texting, tweeting, instant messaging, and websites like Facebook, we corresponded like normal people. Yet, as technology grew, our relational skills have suffered much harm, specifically by removing the etiquette from nonverbal technology-mediated communication. Ironically, while the last decade of Technical gadgets has increased the means and opportunities for discourse with each other. We have used it to decrease the propriety of communication to a deep extent, a degree affecting people of all generations, but specifically younger ones like generations Y and Z, whom have experienced little life without it. And it has great potential to not only really retard normal progress of communication, which I believe has already happened, but to further throw us headlong into a comatose pit of eternal indecorum. How do you like that? Eternal indecorum. So why all the fuss? Because in all honesty, I hold too many people that includes old friends new friends, professional relationships, etc. all over the spectrum, 
I hold too many people with disrespect for their inability or more accurately, their unwillingness to practice the basic manners of written communication. There are people who simply said, I just don't have time for. I'll write them, reach out to them, text them. They get it. They read it. They sit on it. They sit on it. I reach out again. They sit on it. And there comes a time where it's like, okay, I, I'm done. As I regret my frustration and at times anger caused by this, I would also regret not vocalizing my concern. I want to do my best to suppress the spread and practice of this deficient form of correspondence. So I believe I know the basic rules for proper conversation. I'm in no way exempt from the diligent practice of them. I do not want anyone to hold me in the same disregard for reasons that I too might hold others. So I get it that sometimes emails are lost or we simply forget to respond to someone or we rush through a text. And if I've done that to anyone, I apologize. And I am sincerely trying and I sincerely am making efforts to uh, become better in that area. The point is that this is something for all of us. So whether you come across like Sir Isaiah Berlin or Bobcat Goldwith, Hopefully, we can all progress within the grand scope of our communicative skills. Yet we have to acknowledge something first, that no headway will be made unless we first acknowledge that the very heart of abysmal manners in communicating via tech is the belief, whether it's conscious or not, that the basic rules regarding personal verbal dialogue can be jettisoned when using technology as if we um, communicate like Winston Churchill in person only to sound like Bjork over the internet. If we just held the basic rules for communicating with people, those are the directions for social graces, which date back to Cicero as we do for writing them, then we would be much better off. And if we really grasp this truth, the following manners for tech communication would simply subordinate themselves under it. But just in case we don't comprehend this, let's get started with our first and most important rule. Number one, respond when contacted. Or in other words, RSVP. Seriously. What is wrong with some people? If I were to bump into you at a grocery store and say hello and ask how you were doing only to see you snub me and walk by, I would, I would determine that you had become blind, deaf, mute, or I don't know, experienced some sort of massive head trauma since our last meeting. Yet people do this all the time in tech talk and are further deluded into thinking that it goes unnoticed in case you were raised by a pack of wolves. I'll let you in on a little secret and hopefully blow your mind. When someone writes you for whatever reason, you're obliged to respond. If you choose not to people with souls normally consider it rude. 
Those who respond to each other like mentally healthy individuals greet one another with a smile and a common, how are you doing? To not do this in the world of technological dialogue is no different than to not do it in the real. And yes, you must respond to group messages too. It's not too hard. If you have time to view 10 child stars who went from fab to drab, then you have time to respond when someone writes you. Number two, apologize if you respond late. Apologize. It's a simple acknowledgement of a failure. Try it with sincerity sometime because late is better than never. Number three, follow the basic rules of grammar. Since you learned syntax in the third grade, please try and spell correctly and use complete sentences like a big boy so we know what you're trying to say. Number four, don't use lame abbreviations. Shortened forms for stupid sentiments like LOL and ROFL and even IMFAO are just dumb. First of all, no one is rolling on the floor laughing. And secondly, there's no need to abbreviate and further encrypt one's message. You can be curt without coming across as illiterate or immature. Number five, do not text ha, that's uh, quote H-A, unquote, for no reason. I've had so many text messages that either start or end with a completely random ha or ha ha that now it seems out of place if it's not used. It wouldn't be surprising if someone wrote me and said, hey man, pray for my grandma. She rolled headlong down the stairs, broke her hip and is slipping into a coma. Ha, thanks. Just don't do it. Number six, be careful when using sarcasm. Derisive jokes are rarely interpreted as meant. I've learned this uh, multiple times and I've just kind of stayed clear of it now. People don't get it. Number seven, be the first to greet and the last to say goodbye. If you request to be someone's friend on Facebook or any other site like it, be the first to say hello and give a greeting. Um, yet, if, if you were requested to be someone's friend on Facebook, you should still be the one to initiate communication. That's just nice and polite. I've had people request to be my friend, right? And then after I then accept their request, I spark the greeting of conversation only to have some of them see my note and not reply. I don't get it. So within the grace period of a few days, these people are quickly defriended. And quite frankly, they should be imprisoned for their crimes against common sense. Someone asked to be my friend. I kindly respond and they don't have the decency to write back a simple hello. Maybe I'm overreacting or maybe I'm just growing tired of being befriended on Facebook just so people can view my profile pictures and feast their eyes on my body. This piece of meat actually wants a relationship, even if it is relegated to uh, Facebook. And number eight, the last rule is that these rules apply to everyone. So whether you're a hotshot with uh, over 5,000 friends on Facebook, who by the way should never make a fan page, or some loner that's too cool for everybody. These rules should apply to us all. 
I've had successful communication with some fairly popular people. I wrote a book 10 years ago and I was looking for endorsements and I reached out to a number of people with clout in fields of religion and Christian theology. Here are a few of them. Tim LaHaye. He is a pastor, speaker, and author of multiple best-selling books, one series alone having sold over 65 million copies. I reached out to Dinesh D'Souza. He's a commentator, author, filmmaker, and Christian apologist who served as an advisor to Ronald Reagan. I reached out to Norman Geisler. He's one of the top evangelical theologians of our time who just passed away a few years ago. I didn't know these guys. I just reached out to them and they actually got back to me. So how did I successfully talk to these men? Because they knew that no one is above showing proper communicative etiquette to anyone else. So if these men who are accomplished and humble could take the time and effort as small as it may have been to respond to me, then I really think that you and I have the same responsibility to respond to all those who reach out to us, regardless of their age or maturity level or popularity with common manners of communication that should suit everyone who holds relationships of high value and believes that what they write or choose not to write actually matters. And for the record, Dinesh D'Souza didn't endorse my book because it wasn't really his field. He's more political. Um, Norman Geisler wrote back a nice letter, but he chose not to endorse my book. But I was stoked that he just got back to me and, and Tim LaHaye did endorse my book. Now, I tell you that to compare to some of my close personal friends who I contacted about my manuscript before it was printed, that they too would give me feedback and some thoughts. And these people were close friends, people who I saw on a weekly basis. They didn't even have the courtesy or thoughtfulness or care to respond to a simple email. Yes, I got it. Awesome job. Congratulations. No, I don't care about reading your book, whatever they simply just didn't respond. I mean, I think there are literal devil worshipers who are bowing down to a pentagrammed goat skull who practice better communicative skills than some Christians. And that's sad, obviously. And some might say that I'm considering these communicative manners to be more drastic than they should be. And maybe they're right. On the other hand, maybe they're wrong. Maybe the emphasis on manners isn't drastic enough. So I pose this to you, that manners, at the very least, are the graces of God given to all that allow us to practically and continually show love to each other. And at the most, manners are a tool that God has given his children to build up and enlarge his kingdom. If our love of God can be measured by our love for one another, shouldn't we place a drastically high value on manners? And you might be thinking, well, Micah, what you've done is just really shared one of your personal grievances with us, and you've tried to put it within a Christian veneer. But what does this really have to do with Christian theology or ethics? And I thought you might ask that, And so I did the hard work. 
I had to search far and wide within the Bible to find a verse that essentially supports my assertion that we need to have good manners. And I'll admit, it's probably going to be a verse that you've never heard of before. It comes from a random book in the Bible called Matthew. I know, uh, who knew that was even a book in the Bible? Just one of the four major gospel accounts in the New Testament. But seriously, it was spoken by a really obscure character in the Bible. I think this man is of Hispanic origin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but I think the guy's name was Jesus or Jesus. Jesus? I don't know. And this verse is so vague that it only has become a coined term used throughout the world. Something that all people agree with and and has been called the golden rule. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. Jesus says, "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." Well, maybe that's out of context. No. Jesus even gave some commentary on it. He says, for this sums up the law and the prophets, the whole Old Testament, the 66 books that make up the Old Testament. This sums up the law and the prophets to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do you want to live a life that sums up the law and the prophets? I do. Then simply do unto others as you would have them do to you. And this includes our manners of communication in person and online. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for tuning in.